Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we have before us this evening is from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 11 to 22 and also 25 to 27. But first, a little bit of of history before we, we get to our text. Many of you may remember that Daniel, when he was a young man, was taken captive from his home in Judah and led away into Babylon. But even though he was taken captive to serve in a foreign land, he served the Lord to his best of his ability there, and he grew quickly in power and wisdom and in esteem before God and before the king, even of Babylon. During the time of Darius, king of Persia, after uh, Persia had taken over the Babylonian empire, Daniel continued to be in favor with the king, so much so that the king was thinking of putting him above all the other magistrates and lords of the Persian Empire. They, of course, didn't like that idea very much and grew jealous. They tried to find some sin, some fault in Daniel that they could complain of before the king, but of course they couldn't find anything. So they then devised a trap. They said amongst themselves, the only way we're going to catch him in anything is if it has to do with his faith, if it has to do with his God. And so they convinced King Darius to write a decree that all people should worship only King Darius for 30 years. They then went and waited to catch Daniel in the act of worshiping and praying to the Lord. And that's where we begin here in Daniel 6, beginning with verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, This Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored until the going down of the sun in order to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me, 
because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Then King Darius wrote to all people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. One of the classic events at a circus was the Strongman Act, maybe still is. I don't know if circuses are really around that much anymore. But people would come for miles to see all the events and to see how much one man could lift. Of course, now you don't have to drive to see it. You can watch strongman events on your TV, on the Olympics, etc. And sometimes it is pretty incredible what those men can do, how much some of them are able to lift. But their feats of strength, of course, are nothing compared to the shows of strength that our God gives to us. This is one of the reasons why stories like David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den are so precious to us. Because in, we, in them we see God's strength active in the lives of his people. We see God reaching down and showing his, his strong arm to deliver and to save his people. Of course, it's not something that we only have to read about. It's not something that only happened many years ago. God's word promises us that God desires to do the same thing for us. God's word promises that he wants to find ways to show his strength in our life as well. Our passage for the day is 2 Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. This passage promises us that it is God's desire not only to see us safely through this life into the, into the heaven that he has waiting for us, not only to see us to, to finish that path and come to those trees of life that are waiting for us in heaven, to eat of those trees of life, but it is also his good and gracious will to be with us, to strengthen us and to bless our every step along that path. He is looking, he is looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him in order to show his strength in their life. But who, who wants to see the Lord do a strongman act in, in your life? Last week, <clears throat> we talked about uh, David and Goliath. And we talked about how David went uh, to face that giant with absolute confidence. He knew for certain, without a doubt, that he was going to win. Even though he was a little child, a little kid, and Goliath was 10 feet tall and could, and could uh, pick up a spear that the tip of which weighed 20 pounds. David knew that Goliath wasn't going to succeed because Goliath had set himself, because Goliath wasn't just fighting David. He wasn't just fighting the Israelites. Goliath had set himself against God. He was trying to come between God and God's promises to his people. And that never works. We talked about how David went into that battle and 
Uh, from an uh, earthly perspective, it looked like he went into that unarmed, with nothing but a, a stone and a sling. But the truth of it is that he went into that battle with two mighty weapons. He went in with a promise from God, and he went in with a command from God. He went in with the, the promise that God had given many years before to Abraham, to Jacob, to many others that the scepter would not depart from Judah, that, that God's people would not be destroyed, would not be wiped away until the Messiah came. And because of that promise, David knew that Goliath could win. And he also went in, into that battle with the command, the command from God to his people to destroy the Philistines. And because of that, he went in with confidence. Daniel face the ordeal that we just heard about without either of those things. Daniel had no promise from God that he would be delivered, that the lion's mouths would be shut. He had no promise from God that God would deliver him from those men that were sneaking and conniving behind his back. Those men were attacking Daniel, but they were not attacking God's plan of salvation. As far as we know, you know if Daniel had died in that lion's den, it wouldn't have affected God's plan to bring the Messiah through the people of Judah, it wouldn't have stopped God's promises. It really would have affected Daniel only, and King Darius would have been pretty sad. Daniel didn't have that promise. He didn't know what was coming. He didn't have a command from God that he had to pray three times a day with his window open, that he had to go into the lion's den. Earlier in the book of Daniel, we hear the story of the three men in the fiery furnace, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were facing being thrown into that, that furnace full of fire, they gave a bold and confident confession before the king of Babylon. They said to him, our God is able to deliver us from this furnace. But even if he doesn't, you notice they didn't say God will deliver us. They didn't know what God's plan was but they confessed that he was able. Daniel faces the same situation. Daniel goes into that lion's den with the same attitude. He trusts that God is able to deliver him, but he doesn't know what God's plan is, whether he will deliver him. But he trusts that whatever happens, it's God's good and gracious will. Because of this, <clears throat> The, the account of Daniel in the lion's den is far more similar to what we face on a daily basis than David and Goliath, isn't it? We rarely have a promise from God that he's going to shut the mouths of the lions. We rarely face situations which are going to uh, come between God and God's promises to his people. Most of the time when we face troubles, dangers, persecutions, problems, we don't know what God's will is but we can trust that God is able to deliver us and that whatever he does, it is for the good of his people. Daniel didn't have a specific promise, at least not that we know of. It's possible uh, that God gave Daniel a vision he doesn't tell us about, but it seems unlikely. So Daniel didn't have a specific promise that God would come and shut the mouths of the lions, but he did have a general promise, the same one that we have. The same one that we started our 
sermon with. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The Lord is looking. He's looking for opportunities to show his strength in our lives, in the lives of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And that's exactly what God does in our account this evening. He shows his strength in the life of Daniel, who trusted him and did what was right, even when it was hard. It is that loyalty of heart that Daniel shows, which makes Daniel so different, makes him stand out from not only from the, the heathen people of Babylon and Persia, but even from many of the Israelites. And, and even, unfortunately, we have to admit it, from many of us. That trust he shows in, in God. You know, if we think back again to last Sunday's account of uh, David and Goliath, and think back even a little bit before uh, David and Goliath, you may remember that for 500 years, the people of Israel had no king. And during that time, they had this constant problem where they would be attacked, they would be afflicted, they would be conquered, they would be subjugated. They would cry out to the Lord, the Lord would deliver them, and a little bit later, they would get attacked from an, another group, from another place. After a long time of this, the Israelites thought, we have a solution. They even came to God. They didn't come to God and ask, what's the solution? They came to God and told God, we have a solution. Give us a king. If you give us a king, he'll protect us from our enemies, and he will keep us safe. And we saw last week how well that worked out. When the Philistines, when Goliath attacked the people of Israel, where was that king that the Israelites thought was going to keep them safe? He was cowering in his tent, letting a little boy go out and fight Goliath. And the Israelites, too, who thought that they would be better off, who thought that they would be they would be strong, that they would be safe if they had a king, were also cowering in their tents. They thought they had a solution to the problem, but it didn't work out at the time of David, and it didn't work out later on either. Those kings of Israel and Judah that the people thought were going to solve their problem, thought were going to keep them safe, those same kings turned them away from the Lord, led them after idols. And because of them, eventually, the people of Israel were captured dispersed among the nations, and the people of Judah were taken captive into Babylon. They thought they had a solution, but they didn't understand the problem, did they? The problem wasn't that they needed a king. The problem was their hearts were never loyal to God. Not during the 500 years when they kept falling into that same cycle, and not during the time of the kings either. Continually, generation after generation, they did not trust God but trusted in themselves, their own plans, and foreign gods. That was the problem. On the other hand, we see Daniel in our text. Daniel who put his trust in the Lord. And as a result, Daniel was safe, even though he was a captive in Babylon. Even though the, the most powerful men in the Persian Empire were plotting behind his back even though their plot succeeded, seemingly from an earthly perspective, and Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, Daniel was safe. Because instead of trusting in his own plans or his own cunning or trusting in the power of men or trusting in we need a king, he put his trust in the Lord. How often is it that we 
face problems in this life trusting our own solutions. Trusting in our idea of, well, we need a king, or, well, we need more money, or we need this, or we need that. Instead of turning to the Lord in our troubles and putting our trust in him. Psalm 37, 37 reminds us, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. God is looking, he's looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him in order to show himself strong on their behalf. Daniel shows a heart that is loyal to God in his willingness to do what is right even when it seems unwise, and to trust God to make it right in the end. When, the, when those men plotted behind his back and had King Darius sign that decree, we read in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, notice he knew full well the command, the decree that had been signed. Knowing this, he went home, and in his upper room, with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. It would have been very easy for Daniel to make excuses, right? God's word never says he had to have the window open. Would it, would it have been sinful for him to close the window? God's word never says he has to pray three times a day. Would it have been sinful for him to pray at night instead of uh, during the day? God's word never says you have to pray in your, in your room. Would it have been sinful for Daniel to say, well, I'm going to go to a cave or a secluded garden where no one will see me? On the face of it, none of those things would have been sinful. But if Daniel had, had done those things after the decree, he wouldn't have been doing them for the right reason, would he? He wouldn't have been doing something that was wrong, but he also wouldn't have been doing some, the thing that is right. By continuing in, in the custom that he, he was accustomed to, by continuing to open his window just like he always had, he worshipped the Lord and put his trust in God. You know, Daniel doesn't go up to King Darius and make a big scene about it, does he? He doesn't stand up before King Darius and say, well, I'm going to keep worshipping the Lord. He simply goes home and continues to worship as his custom was. But he doesn't hide it either. He doesn't hide that faith. Very often, Satan likes to trick us. He likes to get us to do something that maybe isn't wrong, but maybe isn't right either. He likes, he likes to keep us from doing what is right by convincing us, well, it's not wrong to do this other thing. He likes to get us to think in terms of avoiding sin rather than in terms of doing what is right. And we saw that in our gospel reading from Luke, didn't we? That young man who thought that he had never done anything wrong comes to the Lord and says, what must I do to earn salvation? He was thinking of terms of avoiding sin. I haven't murdered. I haven't committed adultery. But the Lord reveals to him, have you always done what is right? Have you gone out of your way to help your neighbor when he's lying helpless on the ditch? <clears throat> Satan loves to get us to think in terms of avoiding sin rather than doing what is right. But if Daniel had done that, if Daniel had closed his window, if Daniel had gone to pray in, in some other place, 
He may have avoided the issue of the lion's den, right? He may never have uh, come to trial. But he would have missed out. He would have missed out on that opportunity to see the strength of the Lord active in his life. He would have missed out on that opportunity to see the angel of the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. The Lord promises us that when we trust him, he will show himself strong on our behalf. When we're faced with difficult situations and we trust him and do what, not just avoid sin, but to do what is right, even when it's hard or dangerous, God gives us that promise that he will show his strength in our life. And we might someday also get to see lions, the mouth of lions closed by an angel. Wouldn't that be something wonderful? These words, this passage is such a wonderful passage. Second Chronicles 69. These words were spoken by the prophet of the Lord to King Asa. If any of you remember your Bible history, King Asa wasn't a bad king. He was a pretty good king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He worshipped the Lord. He did not worship the idols that so many of the other kings of Judah did. He encouraged the people to come to the temple of the Lord to worship. And for many, many years, he ruled the people of Israel well, and they had peace, because the Lord gave them peace from their enemies. But when King Asa was threatened, the king of Israel was increasing fortifications on the southern border of Israel, preparing for attack on Judah. And King Asa was threatened, knowing uh, that he was, he was coming for him, right? Instead of turning and placing his trust in the Lord, King Asa wrote to the king of Syria. And he said, hey, we're good friends, right? Here's a bunch of money. Come and help me. Israel's your enemy too. Why don't you attack them? We'll attack them together. He put his trust in Syria instead of in the Lord. And that's when the prophet comes to King Asa and he speaks these words. He says, the Lord is looking. He's looking for opportunities to show his strength. Why didn't, you, why didn't you put your trust in him instead of the king of Syria? It wasn't wrong for King Asa to write to the king of Syria. It wasn't wrong for him to make treaties with Syria. But he wasn't trusting the Lord to deliver him. He was putting his trust in that king of Syria, and that king of Syria failed him. How often is it that we avoid doing what is right because we think we have a convenient excuse to do something else. You know, a little sin can cause big problems in our lives. It doesn't always. A lot of times, little sins don't cause big problems, and we think that we, we get away with them, that it's not a big deal, consequently. But sometimes it can cause big problems, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others, people that we love. In our story, uh, King uh, Darius let his pride blind him to doing what is right. He let his pride, trick, through his pride, he let himself be tricked into making that decree. And the, the result was that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. A little sin can, can cause big problems in our lives, but a little faith can cause even bigger blessings. The Lord has promised Turn to him. Trust in him. He wants to show his strength in your life. 
We've been talking about the trees of life in our sermons, and that's our theme of BBS as well. And the most important tree of life uh, for us right now is the cross on which Jesus died. Because of that cross, uh, as the kids told me today, that's not a tree, it's a cross, right? But it's made of wood, so we sometimes call it a tree. Because of that tree, we have life. We have the forgiveness of sins. Because of God's promises, we can be confident that neither Goliath nor, nor anything else, no matter how big or troublesome it may look to us, can stop us from coming to that end, to that heaven, to that salvation which God has in store for us. God has promised us this. But God wants to do even more than that. Having delivered to us his own son, he wants to also bless our lives with his strength and with his power. He wants to fill our lives with examples of his strength. He doesn't always promise to save us from the lions. But he always promises to be with us and to bless us and to do what is right for us and for his people. Who wishes to see the strong, strong men act of the Lord? Who wishes to see the strength of the Lord in your own lives? Put your trust in the Lord. And don't rely on your own ability or any other plans of men. And the Lord will bring it to pass. We finish with uh, first, second Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in, in, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.